Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Bob Varsha, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. All right, gearheads, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Formula One Mexico City Grand Prix post-qualifying. This is John Massengill in the studio in Austin, Texas, joined by my friend Jonathan Green. And we just watched the Ferraris lock out the front row. Charles Leclerc on pole. Jonathan Green, where did this come from? Well, a Ferrari Fiesta of <laughs> yeah. Formula One. Well, I know where it came from. They pulled it out of thin air. <laughs> Nicely played. Yes, the thin air of the Mexico. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't Mexico resist City, it. Yes. I've, got, I've got no more like that. You're okay. Okay. All right. Well, hey, uh, yeah, this is exciting. We had a very interesting qualifying. And I will say this, Jonathan, we don't know what's going to happen because the stewards were watching some things very, very closely. So we will uh, we'll see what happens, because, I mean, Jonathan, talk about it. There's all sorts of things going on, you know, backing up and. Yeah, Albon got done for track limits at turn two, which is really bizarre because it's not a place where you would normally do track limits, and therefore lost out. That gave Joe a chance to go to Q3, only his second time this year. Um, but the main one was the backing up, which was reprimanded. Um, uh, Verstappen was reprimanded for um, in Singapore, um, but he was clearly doing it again, giving trying to give himself a clear lap, but in so doing you know, creating a traffic jam, a dangerous traffic jam, I may add, at the end of pit lane. But he wasn't the only one. Russell did it. Alonso did it. And there could be others. So you're right. There's all sorts to be talked about. Uh, Impeding was the offence. And that pretty much banged to rights. It's a bit like the plank. I mean, there's no, we all saw it. He was impeding him. Yeah, that's a good... Yeah, it's a, it's a decent comparison because... The plank is very scientific, but we did all see it. Like you said, it was right there in front of us. And and there was a bunch of cars doing this. So uh, I don't know how this could all shake out because, uh, I mean, look, you start deleting several different players and I'm just looking down the grid to see where this could end up with multiple drivers. But, but yeah, let's just run down the top 10. We had Charles Leclerc followed by Carlos Sainz, Ferrari on the front row locked out. Max I think that's for, the first one this year, is it not? I, I think so. I think so. And Max Verstappen in third. And then surprise, Daniel Ricciardo. Wow. It, it, how about that? And ahead of Checo Perez, not, not where Checo wanted to be today in his home race in fifth. But then Lewis Hamilton, Oscar Piastri, George Russell, Botas in the top 10. And his teammate, Joe Guan Yu in 10th. And then Gasly, Hulkenberg in 12th. Alonso, Albon, Sonoda, Ocon, Magnussen. Stroll, Norris, and Logan Sargent. Man, surprise, some surprises there. Lando Norris, Jonathan. Yeah, big mistake. They went out on mediums um, as a first run, uh, thinking, okay, we'll try mediums, see how it goes, then we'll go back to soft. But it was too late. Uh, Alonso spun, and he didn't have time to get back out. And so um, they 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 rude that factor because he was definitely top three for for this for this poll for for this uh, qualifying session. Yeah, and uh, his teammate Oscar Piastri finishing in seventh, so pretty good pace there. Sandwiched, sandwiched yeah. by the Mercedes. Uh, they were, Mercedes was talking all weekend how their pace was not going to be near what we saw here in Austin, and um, and I think McLaren was complaining too. I mean, look, this is such a wild card, isn't it, Jonathan? This thin air, and 
I'm, yeah, just it, I'm just wondering if the thin air makes it possible for Alpha Tori and Alpha Romeo to run better when when you know it's it's not sheer horsepower, uh, which obviously you know um, the, the the guys at the front uh, have have had all season. I mean that's 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 the obvious conclusion is to say well how come I mean Botas has has been here and won it here and was always great here at Mercedes, but. Um, Ricardo's form, Sonoda to a certain extent, but Valtteri, you know, Ferrari in a straight line, their engine. I mean, so you could sort of look at um, Honda and Ferrari being dominant. And if you look at the first four engines, they are all Ferrari and Honda. Uh, sorry, five. And then you get the, you know, and then that's why you might say, okay, that's why Botas is up there too. Interesting. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating. And I'm just looking down here. And uh, I guess one of the big stories, of course, was Albon not making it to Q3 because his lap time got deleted. Man, that uh, that was disappointing. But there was more to it than that. I mean, yes, yeah, yeah, that's the reason he didn't make it through. But he was bitterly uh, upset when he went out in Q1, saying it was a different car. I remember, he was Q2, and he has yeah. been throughout most of the weekend, uh, or second quickest on the road. We've always known Williams are good in a straight line, and so maybe that that's a good plus. But but he was not happy, uh, and, yeah, and he was for creating mistakes that he wouldn't normally make. Well, yeah, and he was complaining, and I have it pulled up here. It says it's another mess leaving the pit lane again, and that was all yeah. But I, I think we got Chris Medlin live in Mexico City. Hey, Mr. Medlin. Hello. Yeah, you have got me. And the reason I jumped back on live right now as well is because, speaking of messes, I, I just fought down the paddock with Alex Albon. So I spoke to him as we tried to fight our way through the crowds uh, to see how his session went. I don't know if Casey's got it up ready yet. So I will apologize. This is not going to be the best radio you've ever heard because at one point, my microphone gets yanked away from me by someone trying to get a photo with him and getting their elbow in the cable. Um, you're, you're kind of not seen here. They see the driver and nobody else around them. But uh, yeah, hopefully if, uh, if Casey's got it, uh, well, we've got Alex's semi-explanation to how it went. Well, hold on just a second, because I don't, I don't know if we've got that, because Casey actually, his car caught fire because his caliper locked up on the way to the studio. So. But he still made it to the fourth row. So yeah, so so Brian Brian is sitting in, and we're gonna Brian's uh, not as familiar, so we'll see uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, but yeah, wow, Chris, uh, have you heard anything more about all of these all the stewards' messages and everything yet? Uh, not yet. I mean, I'll have to keep an eye on my uh, on my emails. I'm just watching uh, Fred Vassar doing an interview with Sky, and he's got the. Uh, He's got the Netflix microphone in his back pocket and it's fallen out. So uh, they were trying to tiptoe around the back of Fred Vasseur's, well, his rear, basically, uh, to, to retrieve this microphone while he was doing an interview. Uh, so, yeah, I'll keep an eye on my emails for you all. Uh, at the moment, though, we haven't actually got any summons in terms of times. The, the interesting one for me, and I haven't seen anything come through yet, is that Lewis Hamilton was immediately placed under investigation for ignoring yellow flags. Now, yeah. normally, we get that as a... Uh, this will be investigated after the race. That's the message. So the fact that that didn't happen was strange. The fact that they went straight into it, sorry, after qualifying, um, the fact they went straight into investigating it was odd because for others, it was post-session. So that's ongoing. We had not, not had a decision on that yet. Uh, and then for the others, we'll wait for the summons. But we've got plenty of drivers, haven't we? I'm sure you guys have listed them, but Max Verstappen's in, in trouble for impeding in the pit lane. So too George Russell. 
Chris, yeah, let me ask be... you that. I mean, isn't that a, a bank to rights? We could all see it. I mean, he was impeding them getting out of the pit lane, as was Russell, as was Alonso. Yes and no, because if there's a precedent that's now been set from previous sessions where team where drivers are allowed to go very slowly out of the pit lane, then that's going to be let go again. You know, the FIA will have to basically say, okay, based on past incidents, we said this is fine, uh, and moving forward, we're going to change it. But it, it will mean that it, basically Red Bull can argue, well, previously you said this is okay, so that's why we we did it. Uh, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on that because it's not to me, it's not a slam dunk, but it, it could yeah. be a penalty. So. It certainly could be a late night for us here at the track, trying to trying to find out. Yeah. Um, but I mean, right. sometimes it's fun. Uh, sometimes not so much. <laughs> hey, Chris. Well, uh, Brian's got Alex Albon all queued up. Let's hear that. And Alex, as you uh, get completely uh, completely surrounded by fans everywhere, um, big time. Uh, Alex, if I could just ask, you said the car felt very different out there. Um, different FP3. Yeah, very different. So we need to understand why. It was the same in FP1 to FP2 as well, so a bit strange. I'm losing my mic. Losing my mic right now in the middle of all this scrum. We've got a lot of people. This is a crazy, crazy paddock. Uh, but as Alex says there, yeah, FP1 to FP2 was very different. But also on the track limits, we haven't seen a replay of that. Cutting turn two, was it? Yeah, apparently so, but tough. I mean, ballsy call from the FIA, to be honest, because um, they showed me one screenshot of the outside of the corner my rear wheels are still on the white line in my opinion you know they made the white line quite a lot thicker between uh, so so you know what they did in austin they did it as well here in in turn two so they screenshot turn two for me but my where my tire is it's on the white part of the paint you know the red white red white so you can't tell what's the line or what's the curve so I don't know how you can even say it's track limits, but anyway. Well, what can you do tomorrow? Because we've seen some great pace from you during this weekend, but I imagine right now it feels like missed opportunity over one lap. Have you got the pace to move forward in the race, do you think? I would say yes, but it's uh, one of the hardest tracks to overtake on. So it looks, it, on paper, it, it looks easy to overtake because the, the straight is so long, but to stay close in the stadium section is so difficult. We had really good pace on Friday. We've had good pace all weekend, but... Um, yeah. Anyway. Oh, good luck. Thank you for your time. Oh, nice job, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Very good job. I tried. Elbows had to be out for that one, I will admit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as, as you can tell from his voice, he's so disappointed. Uh, I'd already pre-written a, a section for a preview piece where it was like, keep an eye on Alex Albon. They've yeah. been so quick all weekend. And yeah, it was, as you say, Johnny, hearing it early on, as he said in that interview, that from P1 to P2 yesterday, strange that they just kind of lost some pace and they didn't know why got it back to p3 and then lost it again for this afternoon session so well, it's uh, a bit of a head scratcher i think for them i was about to say what i mean you're not gonna be able to answer this but why do you think williams are so good here well that jenny i cannot answer because i think they're, they're a car that's pretty efficient and they can be quite quick in a straight line the only yeah. thing i can think is that their deficit then sometimes in terms of where their downforce is uh and you know maybe some of the higher speed stuff uh, they, they don't have as big a deficit because everyone else's cars are compromised by the atmosphere here, essentially, you know, the, the uh, yeah. lower air pressure and density. So I, I can only imagine it's that. It's less that Williams are good and everyone else is just less strong in their previously strong areas. And it just kind of bunches them all up. But I think we do see that, don't we, across the board if we look at the grid. Uh, there's yeah. so many teams that 
looked like they could get a driver into Q3 today and, and really close to the sharp end. Uh, as you can imagine, I'm trying to stalk Daniel Ricciardo to see if I can get him when he is finally finished with TV interviews. But that could be a long wait because uh, <laughs> he's in a good mood, funnily enough. Yeah. Well, that's what who I was thinking of when you said other teams that had that looked good here in Mexico. Because man, that that's a surprise. Big time, and I'm right, actually, right now I've got great perspective. I, I sadly can't take a photo because uh, I'm live to you guys, but I've got Daniel Ricciardo stood doing interviews, and behind him waiting is Sergio Perez. So you've got Ricciardo in front of Perez. Wow! And that's that's how it is on the grid, isn't it? That's the interesting yeah. part here. So um, yeah, that's kind of fascinating. I might try and see if I can grab a uh, an Alfa Romeo driver as well, if I can time this right. It's uh, nigh on impossible to fight my way through, um, but I'm not sure I'm going to get to because Valtteri Bottas is being smart. He's got himself... Oh, no, it's Joe's, it's Joe's scooter, I can see. So maybe Bottas will walk. Um, oh, there he is. No, I might I might have might have underestimated their planning here from the drivers, and they might have got themselves, they got themselves security. Well, that's very smart. So they're, they're long gone out the back. Uh, if anyone remembers last year, do you remember we did an interview with Daniel Ricciardo post-race where I'd followed him through a kitchen? Uh, yes! It, the same, the same's happening now. So the Alfa Romeo drives have just gone straight through the back of a, um, what looks like a set of generators to disappear from the crowds to help them get back to their hospitality unit. So uh, bear with me today, chance. <laughs> Great well, stuff, mate. People don't realise how hard your job is. <laughs> Chris, we were talking about that, how not not a great day for Checo to finish behind an AlphaTauri in that car today. No, I mean, there was a point I thought he was going to finish even further back. Uh, it, he looked like he could have been sort of eighth, ninth, tenth almost window. Uh, and to get it, was, was he qualified fifth in the end? Solid. Uh, but yeah, when you look at the second row and you've got uh, Max and Daniel next to each other and... We'll have to see how the first lap pans out. But if Daniel's got his elbows out and scrapping with Max, it would be, be to prove a point that Red Bulli's still got it. So, uh, yeah, this is the worst place I think that could have happened to Checo. But at the same time, let's just give kudos to, kudos to Ricardo. I, I kind of felt like he was a little bit underwhelming at times last weekend. Uh, I think there were some car issues that he had in the race. He had some damage. But uh, I felt like, okay, he's coming back from injury, but he, he, needs to, he needs to shine in this car, doesn't he, to be able to get himself... Uh, a chance of a Red Bull seat. He does need to do some, something special, really. And today he's done it. And that's just his, his second qualifying session back from injury. So, yeah, Can very... You think very Marco is seriously thinking of putting him back in the Red Bull? Uh, yeah, I do, eventually. Um, I think Christian Horner would make it happen tomorrow, if he could. Um, I, I think wow. that Horner is actually the bigger fan uh, and that it's a case of Marco was slightly unconvinced and Horner got his way in, in De Vries being dropped and Ricardo being brought back because that was a Marco call to put De Vries in. And uh, you know, Marco does like to judge people quickly, but a day like today will certainly um, endear Ricardo to Marco a little bit more to say, yeah, he's got that he's got that flash that we need when the car's there. So I, I, I genuinely do think he's got a shot at the end of next season of being promoted back into Red Bull because also it'd be a marketing dream for them if he made it back there. Mm. No, I agree. Yeah. Hey, Chris, I'm looking at some of the, the uh, where people finished today. And Fernando Alonso, I mean, the, the struggles continue. Just the slide and just the slow, steady slide for Aston Martin. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. I don't think this was a track that was ever really going to suit them anyway, because they haven't been particularly quick in a straight line anyway. Uh, and that seems yeah. to have, have continued. Uh, but yesterday... Fernando was trying to put a brave face on it and saying, well, we haven't run the soft tire. We haven't done low fuel running. So you haven't seen our, our one lap pace and we could be 
could be quite competitive. We focused on the race. Now they'll have to hope that they've focused on the race successfully because that's not been a, a good day for either of them. Lance stroll out in Q1, partly because of Alonso's spin, actually, at Q3. And how rare is that to see Alonso dropping a car? So, say, yeah, I, it looks yeah. like a real struggle right now. I feel a Medland race is special. What happened to Aston Martin? <laughs> well, if only they'd tell us. Um, the, the quote that really caught my eye, actually, was Lando Norris after Austin in the press conference afterwards. He yeah. said that Aston appear to have made their car slower with every upgrade. And so people kind of laughed at him saying it or kind of raised eyebrows and stuff. But it's true. It's true. He said you can't, you know, can't tiptoe around it. And, and it generally is. I mean, I think there was a little bit more positivity around the Aston upgrade in Austin after Sunday with the race pace that both cars showed uh, when they made the setup changes that they needed to overnight. But that hasn't carried through to here so far. So they'll have to hope again that it's a case of on Saturday night, everyone thinks they're in terrible shape. And, and by the end of Sunday, it looks a little bit brighter. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Lance and his uh, teammate Lance Stroll qualifying 18th today. Struggles continue there. And... Yeah, and also uh, our our uh, our new points gathering American Logan Sargent, um, not a great qualifying as well, but that was um, yeah yeah. I mean, he didn't get an easy run with that spin from Alonso. Yeah, yeah, he's actually one of those that's under investigation actually for the uh, yellow flag infringements. So uh, it was that he was overtaking Sonoda, I think, under yellow flags, and then. Uh, the fact that he failed to slow as well. So that's two things that he could get in trouble for. Hmm. You know, Chris, I don't know when we could expect to hear some from the stewards. I was hoping to get that on our post show here, but with so much to look at, I don't know if we will. No, I'm pretty certain we won't. I've just refreshed my emails uh, while you were speaking there just to kind of see if there's any any hint of anything. And there's not. There's, there's not even a summons yet. Uh, so... For all of the ones that they say they will investigate after the race, or sorry, after qualifying, uh, we've got George Russell, Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, uh, Logan Sargent, I believe Pierre Gasly, Lando Norris as well might have been being looked at for, uh, I think maybe one of the Alfa Romeos for uh, Delta times and things like that. We, we get a document sent through saying, here's the time you need to come to the stewards to speak to us so we can ask you questions and work out whether you did anything wrong. And that document has not been issued yet uh, for any of them. So that suggests yeah, the earliest you could really issue a document and then expect someone to be in the steward's office is 15 minutes. So I'd say uh, not until the top of the hour are we likely to get anything from anybody in that sense. All right. Well, coming up after this, we are going to continue to break down the Mexico City Grand Prix qualifying. And you're listening to Speed City F1 back after this.
Hi, this is Max Verstappen and you're listening to Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We're breaking down the Mexico City Grand Prix qualifying. I'm Chris, I'm looking, I know you're hunting Daniel Ricardo. I'm looking at the AlphaTauri Twitter feed and the uh celebration in the garage looks huge. So this is this is such a big this is such a fantastic day for for them and Daniel Ricardo, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, second row uh, for that team, uh, that is, you know, I don't want to say unprecedented. They've had results like that before, but so rare. And uh, I don't think they expected it coming here. There wasn't a, you know, a, a comment on Thursday that suggested they were confident of that sort of pace or anything like that. So uh, I think it surprised Alpha Tauri as much as anyone else, actually. Uh, certainly the, the smile on Ricardo's face would have suggested as much. He's uh, still doing the rounds in the TV pen because... You can't shut him up even when he's had a bad day, but when he's had a good one, and he, <laughs> I, I, it's going to be it's going to be hours. He's got a he's got a November mustache already on the works as well, uh, which is obviously <laughs> worth a couple of tents. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's very happy with life right now. So yeah, really, real shot in the arm for them, I think, um, for that team as well. Because until the upgrade they brought to Singapore, they've actually struggled this season a lot. And uh, and then I saw a graphic uh, during practice that was saying about the gains teams have made and. Not a big surprise that you would find McLaren top of the list for the biggest in-season gain, but it said that AlphaTauri was second now with the gain they've made with their latest upgrade. So wow. uh, that's a real, a real kind of proof of that result, I think. Yeah. And Chris, it reminds me of the conversations we we're having at the beginning of the season where we, we kept saying in the first four rounds, who's the worst team in Formula One? And we couldn't work it out. And I still don't think we can work it out. <laughs> Sorry, Johnny, I was just trying to work out if I can stalk Ricardo even more. I can't tell you where he's going because for security reasons, uh, I'm making sure that nobody knows where, but I've been given a tip where I can try and chase him. But um, yeah, what was it you were saying now? I was I know, sorry just, to say. But I who is out. the worst team in Formula, Formula One at the moment? And you wouldn't say it's Alvatore or Haas. I still lost you then because everyone's chatting Checo's name. I'm sorry. This is a card, isn't it? Don't worry about it. <laughs> welcome, I got my welcome point to across. Mexico City. You carry on. <laughs> Whatever Johnny said was right. Yes, he's always right. There you go. <laughs> hey, I want to ask both of you guys. Um, the expectations, Lewis, I'm looking at Lewis Hamilton and George Russell finishing sixth and eighth in qualifying, sandwiching Oscar Piastri. I'll ask you, Chris, what do you, what do you think about that versus the expectations coming into Mexico with the unique atmosphere and everything here it's a tricky one because obviously there's a lot of focus on the disqualifications as well i'm just watching lewis speaking to the print media and he doesn't look too despondent but there was a point was there q2 he was quickest and i know max didn't set uh, a second run so we didn't see true pace from him but at the right times there looked like there was pace in that car and when the two mercedes drivers were doing their final laps at the end of q3 i thought you know maybe they can just sneak into the top four but it just wasn't there when they needed it to be there. So I, I'm not sure if it's uh, an atmospheric thing. I don't know if it's uh, part of the upgrade and they haven't got it quite set up right for here. But it just they do look like they're lacking something. Uh, and they at no point this weekend, really, have you thought, oh, they're definitely going to put it on the front row, where I think you've believed that from yeah, strange other teams, such as Williams and AlphaTauri at different points. Hmm. Hey, Jonathan, what about Oscar Piastri? And um, actually, what about Lando Norris is what I really want to say, because, you know, that car has been so fast. You think he might normally he might be able to go from 19th to the points. But I don't know with this weekend. What do you think? 
Yeah, um, I mean, you know, it's I wouldn't say he's, he does a Verstappen, but but he should move forward, like you say. He's got the pace, and McLaren have been on it for the last few weeks, uh, if not a couple of months. So it might it certainly makes the strategy who we're we're used to McLaren being really good at uh, very interesting between the two of them. And remember, they were trying a medium out, and maybe I mean it didn't. It all fell apart for them, but you know. They can try whatever they want now from where they are because all bets are off, you know, and they may as well yeah. try to go against the grain, stay out, stay out longer, whatever, uh, and see if they can get up because the pace is there. So that's on their side. Hey, Chris, what about pit stop strategies tomorrow and, and, and throw that into the mix of all this? Yeah, I mean, you're asking me before I've managed to find out exactly what's going to happen from Pirelli. Um, but <laughs> I think we'll, we'll, we will see teams trying to find clear air because – as Alex Albon said, it, it's actually very hard to overtake here, even though it looks like it shouldn't be. And you do not want to be stuck behind another car because cooling a car is hard enough as it is on the on its own when you're just running around in, in free air at that point. If you then change that to you're following another car and getting the hot air off the back of that car ahead, you have real overheating issues. So that's what they're all trying to avoid is being stuck behind someone else. And they'll all look for strategies that get them out of traffic and into clear air, even if that means hitting earlier or doing an extra stop and dropping back, uh, that's actually better for your race pace. So uh, I think we could see variety there. Someone like Yuki Snowder, I imagine, you know, maybe we'll um, go for an early stop and get onto the hard tire and just try and run long because he's starting at the back anyway. So don't sit behind everyone, but just get yourself uh, into an empty space of track. So yeah, it could be, a, could be quite an interesting one tomorrow in that sense. Yeah. And good point, Chris, because let's talk about that a little bit. We don't have Dave O'Neill. So I'll do, I'll try to do my best technical impersonation but because of the lack of density of the air, clearly we know that you don't get the same aero aerodynamic forces, but you also don't get the, the cooling effect, like you were saying, Chris, because there's just not as much air going through all these components. So it is such a, it's a fascinating physics discussion, having a race at this altitude, and, and it makes such a dramatic difference in so many ways. So it, it just, I, I love this challenge that, Formula One gets here. Just to give yeah, follow team, up. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, teams uh, say that their cooling uh, requirements that they, when they build their car for each season is with Mexico in mind. So you've got to have a car that you can cool enough to run in Mexico. And if you can do that, then you're fine anywhere else. So here's where they run maximum cooling, everything, bodywork as open as possible, biggest brake ducts that they can. And for every other race, they're a little bit smaller than that. They blank off the brake ducts and things like that to to kind of narrow it down to what they need for each other venue. But this is the one that, when it comes to cooling, they're designing the cars for. Yeah, and the 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 F1 TV were also, or Sky was pointing out, that each of the cars have added a few extra um, holes, if you will, uh, into, into the bodywork uh, to let air flow through. And in fact, on Checkered Flag, Frederick Vasseur was asked, you know, are you going for pole so that you have the best advantage in cooling. And he goes, we're going to Papal anyway. <laughs> but yes, it will help. And actually, Ferrari, um, you know, Leclerc may, just to answer, you know, go back to that physics question, he's going to get the coolest air from the start if he can stay out front. Yeah, good point. Yeah, 7,300 feet. I mean, you can forget. That is that is a pretty serious yeah. altitude. Chris, are you are you feeling it right now yourself? Uh, not right now, actually. I, I ran the track on Thursday night and it wasn't terrible, but you, you notice it in things like you, you go up a flight of stairs and if you're talking, yeah. you are out of breath at the top of it. And I'm talking one flight, you know, not multiple. 
so yeah, not not too bad at the moment. I am running. I can promise listeners, I'm running length to length of the paddock, just seeing if there's anyone that will speak. But I am also finding that team principals, one, they're in. Some of them are in debriefs already. I've just been to McLaren, uh, and they're already in debrief. But two, they're also hiding away again because of the crowds that they get here. Uh, which this was the most hectic and and actually a, a race weekend that led to drivers and teams saying, look, we need a bit more control over paddock access because fans are overzealous here uh, and they, they don't really know where the border is between uh, being polite and, and asking to meet their hero and just grabbing people or getting in the way. So uh, I think a lot of people are shying away from public view at the moment. Um, one of those who's doing that is Fred Vasseur, uh, who is doing photos. And I think I might be too late to grab a word with him, but we'll try and I'll line him up for the grid tomorrow, actually, because... As exciting as it is, it's a Ferrari 1-2, and we haven't really dug into that too much, have we yet? But um, it's it's one where what happens tomorrow is more interesting to me now because we had Leclerc on pole last weekend, and they didn't have the pace. So is there anything different this time around, or is there anything they can do differently having both cars on the front row? So that's what I'm uh, most interested to know from, from Vasseur, and I think I'll have to grab him pre-race because he has just disappeared into the Ferrari motorhome as well. It does give them, I mean, as we have been much maligning them about their strategy, they do have a great opportunity strategy-wise to work this to their favour um, if they get both of the cars off the line well. And it's a, it's a slow turn one and turn two. So as long as they, you know, get their elbows out, um, it's going to be hard for anybody to overtake them. And it's not a great place for overtaking is Mexico. I love it as a circuit, but it's not the easiest place to overtake on, is it? Yeah, no, I, I think actually Chris has got his mic muted. He may be uh, maybe grabbing an interview, but yeah, totally agree, Jonathan. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're, they're not known for being brilliant, but, you know, I think this is a chance for Vasseur to to raise the game. Uh, you, you know, they're getting better and better post Binotto. We saw it with Sainz last weekend where, you know, uh, he, he, you know, he was told, Leclerc was told to let him go. Um so, yeah, I, I uh, come on, let's 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 be Ferrari positive. Hey, Jonathan, speaking of AlphaTauri, John, uh, Daniel Ricardo and such, but Liam Lawson uh, had a huge uh, letdown because there was a huge crash in Super Formula. And so he has slipped because of that, where he finished that race. You know, they stopped the race and just called it where, where everybody was. He slipped from second to third in Super Formula. Now with one race left, um, he's got a, a long shot to, to win the championship now. Yeah. Uh, I, in fact, I haven't been over the points yet, but I just saw the crash and you're right. They've got one more race to go. And they were the reason why it really curtails his, his opportunity is because there it was only a couple of laps that they were into before this massive crash at, at 1.30 between two other drivers. Uh, and the back end of one car came off. And as you know, R130 is the fastest corner at Suzuka. So very scary. Um, but they were awarded half points for not doing a complete race. So he, I think he was only a few points behind his teammate going into the weekend. Um, well, he's 20 points down now from the leader. So, right. so, so yeah, with a, with a, um, I mean, look, he's got, there's gotta be something big, like a, <laughs> the two guys ahead of, ahead of him both have to a DNF or something. So anyway, I just, I saw that and that was a, that was a huge crash. It was scary because the car split in half and everything. I mm. saw a couple of clips of it, but, um, let's see. What else, Jonathan? About I think on that note, I think both drivers oh. were okay from yes, that accident, yeah. just to yes, point out. Were. But um, part of one of the cars ended up down by the barrier at uh, Degna. So, because it's a figure of eight, 
the, the car's kind of split in half, as you say, hitting the barrier. And the half that broke off flew over the barrier and down onto the track by the barrier at you know, a different part of the circuit, completely different part of the circuit. It went so far. So, uh, yeah, terrifying incident. And uh, it does show why when you see moves into 130R and people yeah. overtaking there, uh, I think of Alonso and Schumacher, but also Hamilton pulled a move there, didn't he, this year on Alonso. Uh, and people are like, I think people get a bit uh, sanitized to it. Just think, oh, well, it's easy. It's not that it's easy. It's, it's the risk if it goes wrong. And that is what that crash showed. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, let's uh, let's continue. After this, we're going to see if Chris can try to catch up with Daniel Ricardo. But we'll continue to break down the Mexico City qualifying right after this. Hi, this is Jay Leno from jaylenosgarage.com, and you're listening to Speed City. All right, welcome back to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM, breaking down the Formula One Mexico City Grand Prix qualifying. And while Chris is hunting uh, Daniel Ricardo because he had a tremendous finish, yeah. finishing P4, uh, he's trying to get that interview, but... Uh, Chris, you did catch up with our American Logan Sargent. At, you know, we didn't catch the fact that he had points in our post-race show last weekend, but you caught up with him on Thursday to talk about that. I did, yes. Uh, fortunately for um, for me, that Logan was just a few days after getting those points. He was back facing the media here in Mexico. And uh, he was saying it was quite funny. He was on a plane on his way home to Florida when he got the call from James Vowles to say, you've scored a point. 
But what was quite refreshing to hear was he didn't actually build it up too much. He said, look, it's just one point in 10th, but I finished 12th on the road. I want to cross the line in the top 10 and get my points that way. But it was just a cherry on top of a good race and a good Sunday. Yeah. Kind of said, didn't do a great job on Saturday. Qualifying, I had good pace, but I didn't put it all together on Friday. But then Sunday, I did put it all together. That was probably his strongest, I think, race distance that he's pulled off so far this year. And, you know, even if he hadn't had the points, he crossed the line six seconds behind Albon. It, that was cut to a second by a penalty for Albon. Plus, James Vowles made clear that Sargent's still running older spec of parts, uh, certainly the front wing that is a performance differentiator. So he's not got a car that's as quick as Albon's. So mm. to put that performance together uh, was really encouraging. And, and that's where he took most of his confidence from. That's yeah, great, Chris. I, yeah, go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, I was just about to follow up. I'm saying, you know, we've been asking, we've been asking ourselves whether Sergeant is cutting it or he's going to cut it because he's had so many problems and mistakes. But the one uh, uh, sort of human nature thing that he's showing is his ability to keep going under pressure because the pressure's been on for five months now, and he's handling it and he is improving. And if Jam- James Vols needed a weekend to show that he's got what it takes, the metal, as we often use that expression. I, I think Logan is mentally strong and that's going to help his cause. Yeah, I, I com- that's really good because I said it, I think last week, is that he's he's stacking up all these intangibles, right? He's proving all of the other things. And 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 like you say, Chris, he doesn't have the same car as Albon. But but last week, before we knew he had uh, had points, we spent several minutes talking about the fact that he really did have a really solid weekend and, and did, you know, he didn't crash the car number one, but, but he looked, he looked good. And, and so I'm glad that he had that attitude because I mean, that is, it's really true. He did kind of luck into some points. So I'm glad that that worked out that way. Um, yeah. He's going to need that, that strength there that you talk about uh, this weekend, I think, because he came in here saying that he just had a bit more, of a spring in his step because he was refreshed. He said he was actually very drained before the race in Austin because so much going on ahead of it, you know, just come off Qatar, then the build-up to the US race and all the focus on that. And by the time they went racing, he said he was already exhausted. So he was actually pleased to go home and recharge for a few yeah. days uh, before coming here. And he said he was kind of surprised at how refreshed he felt coming here. But now it's been a, a fairly tough uh, couple of days out on track so far. At times the paces look good and at other times it's looked a bit tricky. Uh, but I'm just going to call up the fact that he's also got to go to the stewards. Uh, so he's heading there uh, at 5.45 local time, so in just over an hour, uh, where he's got to go to talk about um, undertake, uh, sorry, overtaking uh, Yuki Tsunoda under yellow flags. Uh, he'll also then have to discuss the fact that he potentially was going too quickly under yellow flags. Um, but all of these investigations we were talking about earlier, they have now started. So George Russell is currently with the stewards. He was summoned five minutes ago. Uh, Max Verstappen has to go in 10 minutes. Then Fernando Alonso has to go. Uh, in just under half an hour, uh, and then it will be uh, Sergeant and Lewis Hamilton as well. So uh, over the next hour and a half, all of those drivers in and out of the stewards' room. So it's going to be a busy, busy afternoon for those guys. And I'm right in saying Lewis Hamilton um, not slowing under yellow. That is a no-no in F1. It certainly is, but he wasn't alone, dare I say. Um, that's the other one that Logan had um, that he was called for, was for not slowing under yellows. Sometimes you do find that they get summoned because they do their fastest sector themselves, uh, but they didn't do the fastest mini sector in the area that there was a yellow, if that makes uh-huh. sense. Yeah. So so if they actually slowed where they had to, but still did a better sector, 
then they're going to get called up anyway to explain it. But if the data shows, okay, you slowed where you needed to, then that's going to be okay. Um, but that's, uh, that's well, the stewards to look at and the data to come through and we'll keep an eye on it. But as I said earlier in the show, surprised that they were investigating that immediately. Um, I can also point out, as we were speaking about um, trying to get hold of Danny Ricardo, I have just had my, uh, my wife point out where he is and that <laughs> he's talking to Sky. And if I want to try and chase him afterwards, I can. So we'll see <laughs> if we can pull this one off. But um, it's, uh, I can tell you, security is closing in to make sure that he's okay. Um, and he's going he's gonna to try and, I think, hot foot it through the back. We might get a repeat of last year. We might be going through a kitchen if we can get him. Or we might just get brushed aside and told, don't get in our way. So um, yeah. it's going to be entertaining for people here anyway. Hey, Chris, I do want to ask you about, you know, you talk about the crowd and how they've been aggressive. But but what about the event in general? You know, how how is the atmosphere and everything else uh, this weekend? It's incredible, to be honest. I mean, such a passionate crowd. Every time Perez goes through the Foro Soul, which is the baseball stadium where the track winds through, uh, that is, you just hear, you know Perez is out on track because you hear him go through there, lap after lap after lap. And there's been the launch of this new campaign called Racepect, uh, so R-A-C-E, Racepect, um, yeah. to kind of uh, urge that fans support their own driver, but they, they don't take it beyond, you know, just a sporting rivalry on the track. Once once racing's done, the rivalry ends. Uh, they Because there was a bit of a fear, I think, that Helmut Marco and Max Verstappen could get targeted slightly uh, for some of the you know, incidents earlier this year uh, where Perez fans feel he's been unfairly treated. So just to avoid any issues there, this, uh, this new campaign's been launched. And I have to say that I think all the fans have really taken it on board. It's been, uh, it's been a great atmosphere out in the grandstand so far. And uh, it's, it's been really impressive to see that uh, even with Perez having a tough season, uh, there's a lot of, of love still for him, but also it's not spilling over into animosity towards anyone else either. Has there been one Grand Prix where it's been really bad? Well, there was a bit of booing, wasn't there, on the podium last week uh, yeah. in Austin yeah. towards Max. Um, I think, I wouldn't say really bad, but we, we've had it a few times. And I mean, Silverstone with Max and the, and the Hamilton rivalry at times, um, there was some animosity, animosity and sometimes the other way in uh, Zandvoort as well. Nothing extremely difficult to deal with, but enough that you have to keep an eye on it so that you're ahead of the game in case you think it could be an issue. And I think that's what they sensed here that mm. it was being revved up by the local media a little bit and they wanted to calm it down and they've done a very good job of that i'd say good yeah it was interesting i was i was thinking about the booing and you know booing can be a cultural thing where it's not aggressive it's just yeah uh, you know what i mean it's so, so it's not this you know clear cut that oh my gosh you you booed someone that that's horrible it, you know different cultures do it differently and chris and I, I you know you're the one traveling around the world what's your take on that uh, yeah, totally agree. I think what we saw in Austin, actually, there was uh, a bit of uh, commentary online from where we saw a, a Mercedes fan and a McLaren fan sort of bantering with each other or almost uh, goading each other in the grandstands when Hamilton passed Norris. Uh, but as I understand yeah. it, and I admit I can't verify this, but I think it was um, a mother and son. It was a family uh, connection. So that's why they were both going at each other quite hard. But also, if you can leave it then, like you get at many sports events, if the second it's over, you know, you shake hands and move on from it, then great. It adds to atmosphere. It, it mm. adds to the event and the excitement and, and you want it to be a big deal. But flip it around. If you can't do that and you let it spill out and it gets personal, then that's not so good. Yeah. Now, we might have timed this brilliantly here or terribly. Here comes the attempt to get Danny Ricardo's. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to we're going to try and walk and talk, I think, through. Here we go. Daniel, we did this last year. Do you remember we went through a kitchen last year? We did. We did. Um... <laughs> yeah, good times. Well, this year was better, though, wasn't it? I do, I do remember. Um, 
yeah, mate, I'm, I'm stoked. Um, I mean, yeah, I just, there's a part of me which feels, uh, I don't know, like not surprised to have a really good result. For sure, P4 is more than we thought. But uh, really from the start of the weekend, the car felt great. We made some changes since Austin. I think also my, my, where my head was at, I was, it's kind of the excited and hungriest I've been to get, like uh, Sunday night in Austin, all I wanted it to be was Friday in Mexico. I just wanted to get back in the car. And, um, so there was definitely like a, a positive chip on my shoulder after Austin. And uh, yeah, after making some car, car setup changes, I had a, definitely a lot of a good, um, sorry, a very good feeling from, from lab one P1 yesterday. And well, and you've delivered on it today. Can you follow up though tomorrow? Because, you know, the start, you're alongside Max Verstappen on the second row. I mean, Sergio Perez behind you, there's been a lot of pressure on that grid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. Like, I think with today, yeah, like P4 is, it's, it's a, you, you'd look on paper, that's a crazy result in quality for Alpha Tauri, but it wasn't a fluke. You know, we did it on merit today. Yuki was great, gave me the toe in Q1 and Q2, which obviously helped. But then Q3, we were just like everyone else, and, and we did this on merit. So um, I also think, you know, the, the car has performed so well this weekend. It's not, it's not the P10 in constructors Alpha Tauri. So, you know, I don't expect to, uh, to have, you know, season pace tomorrow. I really think that we can uh, hold our own and hopefully grab a big bag of points. Looking forward to that run to turn one. Yeah, mate, it's always exciting here. Um, look, it's definitely a lot nicer when you've only got three cars in front of you and not, not a dozen. Um, even for visibility and stuff like the, the toe and kind of the turbulence and the dust, it's so intense. So um, it's a fun one, but nice to be up the pointy end. Well, congratulations. We made it to Alfa Romeo's kitchen this year. So um, we've gone wrong somewhere, but uh, well done, Stan. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. <laughs> that's a tradition, Chris. Cooking with Ricardo. <laughs> um, I'm going to go to the front of the paddock now to try and get out of here, I think. Some fair play. We've had some very, very persistent kids that have followed him all the way. Uh, and we're, we're behind. I genuinely don't know where I'm meant to go now. I'm somewhere in the paddock by some generators. I've got a uh, we're, yeah, we're between McLaren and Alfa Romeo, and I've got to fight my way out from behind a, a screen, uh, which Daniel has to do as well. Um, that was, yeah, one of the weirder routes, uh, but we made it. And hopefully, you could hear the whole thing because I spent most of that walking with a microphone over my shoulder. We did, we heard it was crystal clear, we got crystal every clear. bit of it. That was great, Chris. That's fantastic, man. And, and as usual, you can hear the Daniel Ricardo smile through a microphone. Yeah, no question. Well, he's, uh, yeah, he, I could just tell there that he doesn't big himself up too much, does he? Like he said, the car is quick. He's not saying I've done something incredible. He said the team's done a good job. And I think that actually shows as well that he thinks, yeah, tomorrow there's, there's a big result to be had. Uh, it's not a case of today was the, was the maximum and we'll go backwards. So that will be fun to watch tomorrow. Yeah, and listen to the difference between his last days at McLaren where he was just nowhere. And now he's his mental is brilliant. Spot on, Jonathan. Absolutely. Well, all right, everybody, we are out of time. Chris Medlin, great job out there. And uh, of course, we'll see you guys in the morning or, or actually tomorrow afternoon because our pre-race show starts at 3 p.m. Eastern and followed by the race with the BBC. And then we have our full post-race show tomorrow. And yes, we will talk to everybody tomorrow.
Happy travel.